kind of um, perfume or anything like that just to enjoy because it was so holy to the Lord. And um, it, was, it was something that was beautiful. So it smelled like a barbecue and it smelled like an essential oils party, really, um, <laughs> in the tabernacle. And it was so strong and it just kind of drew you. So you have the altar of incense, which represents intercession. And then right in the center of it all, you had the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not going to draw angels here very well. There's their wings coming up, okay? And this was a place... Now, when when the tabernacle was set up originally, this is what it looked like later on throughout uh, history. After... um, with really Herod's temple, the altar of incense was moved inside into the Holy of Holies. But you have the Ark of the Covenant here, and this is where the high priests would go once a year. Anyone know what day they would go in on? Yay, the Day of Atonement. Y'all are brilliant scholars. The Day of Atonement, this is the only time when they would say the holy name of God. We actually don't know the full pronunciation of the holy name of God. It was lost to antiquity. Um, some say it, it's Yahweh. We don't know exactly the pronunciation, but something like that. And, and it was passed down from high priest to high priest to high priest, and it wasn't something that was also well known. So, this is where the priests would go and they would offer up sins for themselves and they would offer up, excuse me, they would offer up sacrifices for their own sins and they would offer up sacrifices for the sins of the nation on Yom Kippur. And you know what's so amazing is that um, during history, it's recorded in... Uh, in the Talmud, and that's not inspired at all. It's just for historical reference. But it said that on Yom Kippur, they would take a string and they would tie it on the temple doors. And if the sacrifice was accepted, then it would turn white. But if it was not accepted, this is during the time of Jesus, then it would stay red. You want to know something very interesting? And just in case you're on a Jeopardy thing, it's actually in Yoma 39b, okay? Uh, But do you know that for the last 40 years, roughly, before the destruction of the temple, which was in 70 AD, the string did not turn white? Why is that? Because Jesus is the final sacrifice. And this baffled this baffled the pharisees and the sadducees they couldn't understand why why our sacrifices aren't being accepted why it's because jesus is the final sacrifice in the atonement and actually if you look in the book of acts um uh let me let me grab my bible here this is very interesting i want to Going a little bit off topic for a second, but I think that it's important for you to know. Acts 
All right, so in Acts 21, actually, verse 20, it's time for bifocals. I am 41 years old. I told my, uh, my eye doctor, I'm like, no, I'm not ready. But I think I actually am ready now. Uh, in Acts 21, verse 20, um, when they heard this, they praised God. They said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed and all of them are zealous for the law. They've been informed that you... Okay, so we'll just pause there because I'm not going to open up all the other can of worms there. But the word in the Greek is murios. How many thousands of Jews? The word in the Greek is murios. This is where we get the word myriads from. It's actually tens of thousands. And a lot of historians say that it's safe to say before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD that there were up to 100,000 Messianic Jewish men living in Jerusalem. Amazing, right? Amazing. And really, the life and ministry of Jesus turned around and flipped upside down the world, including Jerusalem. Okay, who's ready to get into Hebrews 9 now that we led? We laid down a little bit of a foundation there. Let's go through Hebrews 9. So let's go. uh, If you could go to the third slide, please. All right. I'm excited. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hebrews 9, 1 through 5. Now, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship in an earthly sanctuary. We talked about that. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread This is called the holy place. So they talked about the outer one and then the inner one with the table and the bread and the lampstand right there. So remember, during Herod's temple, the altar of incense was moved up into the Holy of Holies. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a altar of incense in the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold in which a golden jar holding the manna and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot speak in detail. Literally, in a Jewish world, there are volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of material just on the tabernacle and the temple. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. So here we are. Boom, right here. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. I want to pause One second, one thing I forgot to tell you that is so important is that when the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur and he would, when the sacrifice was accepted, he would come out to all the people and he would tell them this. It is finished. And he would announce it to the people and they would blow the shofars and he would say, it is finished. Isn't it amazing that our high priest of heaven did the same thing? 
Amazing, amazing. All right. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way, oops, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol of the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worship the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they only relate to food and drink and various washings, regulation for the body imposed until, 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 until a time of reformation. And the Lord was very specific. He, want, he told Moses, make everything exactly as I tell you, right? Because it's a pattern of the reality in heaven. So until that time of reformation, all of these things, it would purify on the outside, but it did not have the power to change people on the inside. That's why people had to continually offer up sacrifice after sacrifice, wash time and time again. Um, But it was all a shadow of the reality that is present in Messiah Yeshua. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You want to hear something like mind-blowing? Even at his last Passover Seder, he went through all of these things. They ate lamb. That was the sacrifice. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed his disciples' feet. Right? He had this conversation with Peter. Then they shared the Passover meal together. Right? Then in the midst of the Passover meal, he starts, Jesus is giving revelation. He's like, one of you here is going to betray me. Then after the Passover meal, they went to the, to the Mount of Olives, right? They went to Gethsemane. And what happened? They prayed and they had intercession. And they were, you know, Jesus was praying even to the point of sweating blood. And then came the ultimate sacrifice where he offered up his own life once and for all. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so beautiful? For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant 
so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance for where a covenant is actually in the Greek, they use the word here covenant and will interchangeably for where a covenant is there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. This is why some translations say covenant and some say will. Because if you have a covenant, and in a Jewish culture, when you make a covenant, it cannot happen without the death of animals, really. You offer things, and uh, in the time of Abraham, do you remember when God made a covenant with him? And he cut, the, uh, Abraham cut the animals, and he had some on one side and some on another side. Do you guys remember this? And then the Lord passed through as a flaming pot, right? So what would happen was, Marcia, can you, can you be uh, a helper for a second? Can you just stand up? Oh, I love Marcia. <laughs> She's just so wonderful. Okay, but what would happen is when you would cut a covenant, you would have the, the animals and you would place them on either side and then you would trade places. So Marcia, if you could walk toward me. And I'll walk toward you. And you would say, whatever happens to these animals, may it happen to me if I break the covenant. Thank you. <laughs> but what's so amazing is that when God made the covenant with Abraham, there was only one person who passed through. And that was for the promise of all the promises of God that God made to Abraham for the house of Israel the land, the covenants, the temple worship, all of it. And who passed through? God himself. God himself. Actually, in that part, it was just for the land, but there's more coming. Uh, I love this. So, <clears throat> for where covenant is, there must be the necessity of death for the one who made it. We get it more now. For covenant is only valid when or a will is only valid when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Okay. Verse 18. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. It's true. Whether we're talking about the Abrahamic covenant or the Mosaic covenant, everything was inaugurated with blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet and wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, and we're going to unpack where this is coming from in just a minute. This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. Are these words sounding a little bit familiar whenever whenever a new covenant is inaugurated there has to be the shedding of blood verse 21 and in the same way he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with blood and according to the law one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So if this is a copy of what's in heaven, dare we even explore what could be in heaven? Wait, wait, wait. So this is, this is just a copy. I wonder if we can just tap into some of the things that uh, the word of God describes that are in heaven. Well, shall we explore that a little bit? Yeah? Who is the lamb at the center of the throne? And wasn't there some kind of a sea? What kind? Sea of glass? Sea of crystal? Oh, wait, what? This is really just a shadow of the things that are in heaven. And what about, what about the fellowship? You know, there's, there's angels all around the throne saying, holy Holy, holy is the Lord. And don't you know that the Lord is continually revealing himself in that way? And even in the book of Revelation, we see him opening up the scrolls and opening up the seals and all of this, and the horsemen of the apocalypse, all of these things, right? We see it. And who's seated at the right hand of the Father? ever living to make intercession. And then we have the throne of God, the mercy seat, where it's the throne of God and the Lamb. And actually, I'm going to read one thing. Are y'all enjoying the word of God this morning? Uh, In Revelation 21, verse 22, it says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is the lamp. Oh my goodness. The nations will walk by its light and kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. That's from Isaiah 60. On no day will its gates ever be shut. Oh, gates are wide open here. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. All right. I'm excited here. I love this. I love this chapter. Verse 24, for Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place year by year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But, but now... 
once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin. Everyone say, put away sin. Put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes judgment. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, all of the sins of your life, and even some that you have not committed, all that you have not committed yet, he has, he has bore them. Surely he has borne our sins, right? He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 28, so Christ also having been once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. So we talked about the history of the passage of this book. Is there a bigger picture to behold? Is there more of the promise to receive? My answer?